This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now, we are 15 months away from the 2024 U.S. presidential election, and it is a hugely important election for America, for the world, the West in particular, and there's every prospect that former President Donald Trump is highly likely to be the Republican contender and President incumbent Joe Biden is also likely to be in opposition. The difference between these two men can be really spelt out by looking at what's happened to the former president, Donald Trump, in recent weeks. He has been given four criminal indictments, and the latest came this week in Georgia. No president or former president in the history of the United States has ever been indicted for an alleged crime in the last few weeks. Donald Trump has been indicted for four, and they are extremely serious. We're joined now by Niall Stanish, Niall's associate editor of The Hill, a respected Washington newspaper, and he is also White House columnist for The Hill. Niall, it's impossible to overstate the significance of this election and indeed the state that Donald Trump finds himself in. It's historic but not in a good way. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolutely extraordinary situation, Eamon. And welcome back, by the way, after your your break. Um, Yeah, it's an extraordinary situation that Trump is in. I mean, when we think about it, this is a man who, while president, was twice impeached, though, of course, not removed from office, and has now been four times criminally indicted. Uh, That record, or even any sort of hint of such a record would doom any politician that I can think of in America or anywhere else 
to defeat and probably to political oblivion. And instead of that, what we have is Mr. Trump being far and away the favorite to win the Republican nomination. He is between 30 and 40 points clear of Ron DeSantis, next most serious challenger in national polls. DeSantis hasn't really got going at all. Um, and if Trump indeed becomes the Republican nominee, then, you know, you, you would say he has an approximate 50-50 chance of returning to the White House at the 2024 election. And we'll come to this later in our conversation. Joe Biden is, of course, carrying some baggage of his own in the form of his son, Hunter Biden, who is also in trouble with the law and indeed a plea deal, plea bargain he made has fallen apart and he has his own problems and we'll come to them at the end. Can you explain to our listeners exactly how serious and in what order these indictments are in terms of seriousness? Let's take a piece you wrote this week in which you ranked the four indictments, the criminal indictments, in order of seriousness. And number one in your estimation was the Mar-a-Lago classified documents indictment. Yeah, that's right. These are the documents that Trump took with him having left the presidency they were marked classified. Ultimately, authorities recovered more than 300 such documents. Some had been given back under different types of duress, but importantly, some had not. It required an FBI raid uh, about a year ago to get those ones back. Now, the key thing, and, and I think this is worth emphasizing because to my mind, some media coverage has kind of skipped past this, Within that Mar-a-Lago indictment is a charge of conspiracy to obstruct justice. Yes. That charge carries a maximum prison sentence of 20 years. And the evidence against Trump in that regard is very, very damning. Uh, I mean, I think you're familiar with this, Eamon, but it covers various things like, for example, a aid to Trump moving boxes that had the documents in them, apparently at his direction, yes. and seemingly with the purpose of concealing them. It has in another element, a lawyer, uh, him telling a lawyer, wouldn't it be better if we just essentially pretended that we don't have these documents? Um, the uh, That seems on its face to be textbook obstruction of justice. He may have some argument against it. He's entitled to the presumption of innocence, but that is very, very serious. Yes. And he also got two of his employees to try and erase the CCT footage, if mm. there was some, and there was, and tried to get that erased so that it wouldn't be available to people investigating. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. There is a whole host of measures like that that seem all part of the one piece, which is the fact, I mean, it's the basic fact here, because I know it can get confusing to people to try to track all of this, is Trump was served with a subpoena, or his team were served with a subpoena, saying, you have to give all documents that are marked as classified back. He didn't, and he appears to have been involved in conspiring to withhold documents that he knew were marked as classified. That is, I think, qualitatively different to some of the other cases where he could argue 
plausibly or otherwise, that he believed he was doing the right thing. The evidence set forth about obstruction of justice in the Mar-a-Lago indictment is very difficult to wriggle out of unless he just claims that the alleged events didn't happen at all. Yes, and there's a trial date set. I believe it's for May, and the judge who will hear the case in Florida is a judge appointed by Donald Trump. Mm. But for, for the moment, we leave that aside and move on to what you believe is the second most dangerous prosecution, which was announced this week in Georgia by the district attorney, uh, Fanny Willis. She charged Trump and 19, I think, of his co-conspirators. And these charges are really very, very serious. And there is evidence that is incontrovertible that he, he did, in a phone call, threaten a local official. Yes, this is a case that you and I have discussed a number of times before, or at least the evidence that underlies it we've discussed a number of times before. A notorious phone call made on January the 2nd after of 2021, after Trump had lost the election, but while he was still trying to overturn the results, when he called Brad Raffensperger, a conservative Republican who was and is the Secretary of State in Georgia, and pressured Raffensperger to, quote, find him enough votes to overturn President Biden's margin of victory in that state. Uh, that call is among the evidence that Fannie Willis is lean, leaning on for this indictment in which Trump is charged with 13 uh, different crimes, including racketeering. Uh, incidentally, the racketeering charge comes under what are called in the United States RICO statutes, yes. which were first drawn up to deal with organized crime. But they made very serious attempts, not just in that phone call. They also had fake electors engaged. All of the people, the 19 co-defendants, as it were, were closely involved in the Trump. And he was president when he did this, when mm -hmm. he made that phone call, when he engaged in these practices to try and get the votes he needed. He lost narrowly less than 12,000 votes. Mm -hmm. And he said to Raffensperger, just get me one more vote than I needed. And he had a number there. But also, uh, Rudy Giuliani was involved in this, the former mayor of New York, who is himself an attorney. And there was a blatant attempt and a blatant conspiracy to undermine the election result. For which Mr. Giuliani, we should note, is one of the 18 other people in addition to Trump who has been charged. Uh, Giuliani faces a number of counts in this case. Uh, the other point I think that bears emphasis about Georgia, Eamon, is it is a state-level yes. case, which is very important. You, I think, are aware of this, but basically there is a crucial difference here depending on if Trump were to win the presidency back again. If he were to do that, in federal cases, he could essentially, though very controversially, discontinue the cases against him by instructing the Department of Justice no longer to contest them or no longer to prosecute them, or if he was appealing to not contest his appeal. He cannot do that in state-level cases. In Georgia, uh, the state is sovereign, and the governor of Georgia 
does not, him or herself, a guy called Brian Kemp at the moment, does not have pardon power either. So if the Georgia case went forward and if Trump were convicted, that conviction would stand unless it would be overturned in the normal fashion on appeal. He couldn't do anything about it, which he could about the federal cases. Yes, and there is another factor in relation to that. And Mark Meadows, who was his chief of staff at the very end, mm. has sought to have that his case heard in a federal court. Mm. And Trump, I believe, could seek the same relief, which would allow them, of course, later on to claim clemency and to be away and free. Right, and it's, the Meadows move is very interesting because I'm not sure if that's some sort of, um, what what would we call it, like a, a raising of the theory to see if Trump himself right. could later avail of the same theory. So it's an interesting point you make there, yeah. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, the third most serious, and in my view, actually in my view as a layman, mm. the most deadly, is mm. the case around the January the 6th Capitol riots where, you know, a hundred police officers were injured, some died. The lead prosecutor on this, and indeed on the Mar-a-Lago case, the special counsel is Jack Smith, 
And he has produced a very interesting indictment in which there is only one person charged with the criminal offence. That is the former president, Donald Trump. There are six co-conspirators who are not named, but they are known. But it's a much simpler case in many ways. Can you explain to us what the charges are? Mm -hmm. And indeed, we have an idea about what Trump's defense will be because his lawyers have been touring the television studios telling everybody. They certainly have. So the charges are two charges relating to obstruction of an official proceeding, basically referring to attempts to thwart the certification of the election results. One charge of conspiracy to defraud the United States by engaging in these false claims of election fraud. And one charge that is a rather interesting one, conspiracy against rights. Uh, That is a statute that dates back a long, long time by American standards intended to thwart the efforts of uh, thugs like the Ku Klux Klan uh, during the Reconstruction period. The argument for conspiracy against rights in Trump's case is had his plot to overthrow the election result been successful, it would have obviously traduced the rights of those voters who had voted with the plurality for President Biden. The indictment tries to draw a distinction between Trump's First Amendment freedom of speech right to say anything, including things that are untrue, and to use those claims as a premise or or precept upon which to act. Yes. So it very clearly talks about, for example, trying to get state legislators, as we just uh, noted in Georgia, but in other states as well, to subvert legitimate election results. talks about the pressure that Trump and his aides put on Mike Pence to refuse to certify the results. And it talks about at least trying to use the Department of Justice here to, as the indictment puts it, conduct sham election crime investigations. Yes, and the, the key to Jack Smith's charge is that it's a criminal offence when Donald Trump himself knew mm. that, he, that he had lost the election. That's right. And that he had been told by, among others, his own vice president, mm-hmm. Mike Pence, who he was pressurising and indeed who was central to the events of January the 6th when these Proud Boys and other far-right people were, were chanting hang Mike Pence, because Pence was the person who, as vice president, was responsible for certifying the votes and, in essence, pressing the button for Joe Biden to be the next president. But Smith has taken great care. I read the indictment this morning, Mm. and Mm. he has taken great care to prove that Donald Trump knew and was told, not just by the vice president, by many of those around him, that in fact the election had not been rigged. That That's right, and that is a really important point. Eamon, as you note, the indictment actually lists at some considerable length the people who had told Trump that these accusations of election fraud were nonsense. Uh, as you say, it included Pence, I'm just looking at it myself here. Now, senior leaders of the Justice Department, the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, senior White House attorneys, senior staffers on Trump's 2020 campaign, 
and others, including the federal courts, who had found against numerous cases that Trump allies had brought. So Jack Smith's argument is the weight of that evidence is so overwhelming that Trump could not possibly have had a sincere belief that the election was stolen. You mentioned uh, a question or two ago about what his defense will be, and his defense appears to be that it, he did legitimately believe it, that he, as it were, chose to believe some of these rather wacky characters who were coming up with various theories unproven about why there was fraud. Uh, I mean, that's not very plausible to me, but of course, if Jack Smith is to win the conviction, he needs to convince 12 out of 12 people that uh, that, that is an implausible claim on Trump's part. Yes, and another issue in this particular case is it will be heard in Washington. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden won, I think, 90% of the votes in Washington. Therefore, it's very favorable in terms of jury selection as opposed, for example, to Florida, where Trump is very popular and where indeed he lives. But there is this idea also that he wants to delay, delay, delay. It's always been his tactic. Mm -hmm. The judge in this case, Judge Tanya Chutkin, Mm -hmm. she has issued a warning to him because he will get the documents on discovery as to what exactly the state's case is. If he goes around and breaks the rules by spreading the contents of the documents or indeed by smearing people, including her and Jack Smith, who he has described the prosecutor here, who's the highly respected prosecutor, Jack Smith, of being deranged Mm -hmm. and other insulting things. If he does that, she has said she will move the trial more speedily. Mm-hmm. And that trial, I think, if I'm correct, has been set for March, or is it January? It's it, it's not. There's not a definitive date set for it yet, to the best of my knowledge. But she has suggested sometime in a six six month time frame. But the bigger point is the one that you raised about her th- threat or warning to Trump. Um, all judges in cases relating to Trump have to contend with his propensity to make these public statements, often in social media or on cam- at campaign rallies, that are um, intemperate and often very personalized and often encompass potential witnesses as well as the judges. And Chutkin here does have a strong card in terms of expediting the trial. That would be far more damaging to Trump's broader interests than trying, for example, yes. to do them for contempt of court for things that weren't actually said in the courtroom, which is a, a you know a tricky enough process, by simply saying to him, "If you keep up with your usual stuff, I'm going to go to trial as fast as possible." That I think would give even Trump pause for thought. Right now, there is a fourth charge. It was leveled by the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg who is a Democrat, incidentally, and this is to do with the Stormy Daniels payment. She is a, an adult actress, I think she's called, but she's somebody <laughs> that Trump had an affair with and he paid her off, essentially. In the course of doing this, he also committed another criminal act. It seems that almost the least... Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. yes. yes. <laughs> it uh, <laughs> seems the least 
sort of serious, but the other ones, and particularly in Georgia and in Washington and indeed in Mar-a-Lago, all threaten the state. And now the question is this. Why does Donald Trump's ratings rise <laughs> every time he receives a criminal indictment in Ireland? That has been what's happening, isn't it? It has, and he has also got a spike in fundraising every time there has been yes. a criminal indictment to date. It is for several reasons, all of which are interconnected. The fact that his hardcore of supporters believe him and are virtually impervious to negative information about him is a big part of it. That, in turn, is linked to something you and I have spoken about before, which is the tendency or the pattern whereby the media here has broken up into sort of ideological silos yes. or ghettos. So some of this stuff simply doesn't pierce the universe of those very strong Trump voters. And then you have, of course, uh, the former president himself having said years and years ago that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue in New York, yes. and people would still vote for him afterwards. That intense loyalty, critics would say cult-like loyalty, remains strong in his case. It is something that poses very serious problems even to the people challenging him for the Republican nomination, yes. and it has helped him stay well clear of the field in that particular battle. Yes, and 70% of Republican voters believe that the election in 2020 was, in fact, rigged. However, yes. let's move on to Hunter Biden, mm -hmm. because this is a serious matter as well. He is, of course, the president's son. He did a, a plea bargain deal recently, which has collapsed. The charges against him and the whole aura around Hunter Biden seems particularly dodgy. Not the charges, but the aura. Mm. And Trump is saying, and others are pointing out, that we have a two-tier justice, justice system in this country. Hunter Biden looks like he might escape serious penalties. What's the state of play there? The state of play, in summary, is that there has just been a special counsel very recently uh, appointed to look into all matters relating to Hunter Biden and possible legal wrongdoing. This follows on from the collapse of the plea deal that you talked about. And again, to try to keep things simple and understandable, the hope the White House and among Democrats was that that plea deal would just have things related to Hunter Biden done and dusted. Yes, it's embarrassing. Yes, it's a bit sleazy, but we can move on. That plea deal pertained to two things. One was a failure to pay taxes and the second thing was uh, lying on an application for a gun. He basically said that he was not uh, using any illicit substances and then later admitted in a memoir that he was in the grip of very serious addiction at yes. the same time. The bigger problem politically and I would say legally for Hunter Biden is that there are other matters that weren't part of that plea deal that are now almost sure to be investigated and this go, I mean, the Hunter Biden thing is a rabbit hole that you can quite easily get lost in. Right. But one thing I would say just quite simply is, at a period of time, uh, approximately a decade ago, a little bit less than a decade ago, Hunter Biden was getting paid around about $50,000 a month by a Ukrainian gas and energy company called Burisma. Yes. And 
He has no particular expertise in oil and gas exploration, nor in Eastern Europe. Uh, So the question is what he was getting the money for. He pretty clearly was trading off of his father's name, but there has not so far been direct evidence that Joe Biden was uh, complicit or directly involved in any kind of shakedown, which, of course, is what Republicans are trying to prove. Isn't there a reference to 10% of the money being for the big boss? The big guy. Uh, The big guy. uh, And this was when Joe Biden was vice president in Barack Obama's presidency. Uh, that's correct. There was an email discovered. Hunter Biden has uh, has had a lot of personal issues, to say the very least. Very serious drug addiction, and you know, as often happens with very serious drug addiction, was sort of consorting with prostitutes and various other things. And that, I mean, th- this isn't debatable. This is known. It's known in part because Hunter Biden weirdly left his laptop uh, in yes. for repair yes. and never came back to claim it. And the repair shop guy looked at it and found all sorts of lurid things. Um, somewhere among those, there is an email that refers to a cut for the big guy. And of course, there is a natural suspicion that the big guy is Joe Biden. Um, that has not been proven. The identity of the big guy has never been uh, revealed, but it is certainly something that, understandably, to be fair, exercises Republicans quite a lot. Right. Just a final question, Niall, or an observation, yours, I hope. Mm. We've spoken quite a bit about the frailty, the obvious frailty of Joe Biden. He's fallen a couple of times recently he is you know he's 80 and if he were to be elected in 15 months time he'd be 86 i believe when his presidency came to a natural end mm-hmm. how troubling is that or does trump's behavior and the threat he so obviously poses to the western world really never mind america does that overshadow the Biden. What are the poll numbers? I suppose is what I'm really asking. And what's your own view on Biden's, should we say, cognitive ability and health? Because in a purely abstract way, looking at it from Europe, he's been an outstanding president in many ways in terms of not just the war in Ukraine, the galvanizing NATO. Also, he appears to be doing okay on the economy, inflation's coming down now, and also on climate change. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, he has been, in the old-fashioned traditional style, a pretty good president. He has done all of those things that you just said, and some of them he hasn't got a whole lot of credit for. The polls are in a effective tie. I mean, Biden holds a very, very narrow advantage in the polling averages over Trump so small, I think, as to be largely irrelevant this far out from an election. In individual polls, for example, there was one in late July that the New York Times and a university here conducted that had Trump and Biden exactly tied on 43% each, and obviously a certain number of people refusing or declining to declare their preference. Biden's age is a significant part of that. I think that there are widespread concerns. I think that those concerns are clearly 
shared beyond Republicans or ideological opponents yes. of the president. And so those, to some extent, uh, have the effect of not exactly cancelling out all of Trump's behavior that you alluded to, but of keeping the polls tight because yes. Biden is uh, not a very inspiring figure, I would say. I mean, I'm not sure that there are many people really excited yes. to vote for Joe Biden. And with Trump, you have a certain proportion of the population very excited to vote for him and a larger proportion who loathe him. And so that equation ends up in an approximate tie. And just to remind ourselves how close this election is, the first Republican candidate's debate is next week, I think, in Iowa. Mm. And from next week on, the starting gun is fired in terms of finding a Republican candidate. As you pointed out earlier, there's a huge gap to close if Chris Christie or indeed DeSantis are to get near. And the debate next week, Trump has even said he might not even bother to turn up. It seems likely that he won't turn up at this stage. Now, I say that knowing that even by the time your listeners are listening <laughs> to this episode of the podcast, he might have changed his mind. But as I speak to you right this second, he seems to be leaning against turning up. Okay, we're very grateful to you now. Niall Stanich is Associate Editor of The Hill. He's been a brilliant contributor to The Stand, and we're very grateful to him. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.